Welcome to the College Commons Podcast, passionate perspectives from Judaism's leading thinkers, brought to you by HUC Connect, the Hebrew Union College's online platform for continuing education. I'm Joshua Holo, Dean of HUC's Skirball Campus and your host. Welcome to this episode of the College Commons Podcast, where we're going to discuss Paper Brigade with its editor, Becca Cantor. Becca Cantor is the editorial director of Jewish Book Council and its annual print literary journal, Paper Brigade, the topic of our discussion today. She received a BA from English from the University of Pennsylvania and an MA in creative writing from the University of East Anglia in Norwich, England. Becca was awarded a Fulbright scholarship to spend a year in Estonia writing and studying the country's Jewish history. Becca Cantor, thank you for joining us at the College Commons. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Josh. I really look forward to discussing Paper Brigade with you. It's billed as the Jewish Book Council's annual print literary journal. And it certainly is that, but it's also so much more. In fact, it's kind of a collage of memoir, graphic novel, original art, photography, short stories, literary excerpts, essays, even interviews, and, and even more. It's just amazing. It's, it's beautiful to hold and to behold. And just opening it up at random is a delight. So first off, congratulations on a wonderful publication. And secondly, I'd like to ask you to introduce us to it by talking about its name, Paper Brigade. Our name is taken from a group of writers and intellectuals in the Vilna Ghetto who risked their lives to save thousands of books and documents from the Nazis. They became known sort of colloquially as the Paper Brigade, and their actions and the value that they place on Jewish literature is a real inspiration for us. So I'd like to talk about one section, which is called Meet the Reader, where readers weigh in, and you have a picture of the reader and their comments, and they, and they offer such great, concise comments. You've got a great readership. Tell me a little bit about that section and and let's have our audience weigh in as Meet the Readers too for future editions. Oh, thank you so much. I'm really glad that you picked up on that. The readers that you see here are actually called from our Instagram account. This year, they're all actually authors themselves as well. We've asked them to, in most cases, speak to a book that's influenced them or that they feel that other readers should know about that maybe they don't already know about. And just say in a few sentences why that book is really meaningful to them, how it's influenced them, why other people should read it, and, and why it's important today. So that for us is a great way of um, you know, in the midst of the longer pieces, the articles, the interviews, the essays, the short fiction, to have these other little snippets of different books that maybe don't fit into some of the longer pieces, but they're also definitely noteworthy, and we want to include them in a different way. Well, I encourage our audience to weigh in on the Instagram account and to enjoy the the fellow readers' comments, which are really, really a blast. I want to talk about some of the actual content in the most recent edition of Paper Brigade, which just came out for the year 2022. And there's a lot to talk about, but I want to start with Tunnels by Rutu Modan, which is a graphic novel. And it's introduced as the story of Nili Brosh, who is an archaeologist who has organized a dig to search for the Ark of the Covenants. And her brother, a shifty antiquities collector, a Palestinian smuggler whom she has known for many years, and even the red heifer 
whose ashes are traditionally required to sanctify the ark. And there's even academic politics. It's it's a total mishmash and a crazy story with not altogether sympathetic characters. But there are so many layers of culture and politics, and the protagonists are so flawed. I wanted you to talk a little bit more about Tunnels and its baggage and what attracted you to it as an editor. One thing that I'll say to start off with is that you mentioned in your intro that Paper Brigade is a journal that really emphasizes the visual aspects of books as well as the words inside them. And to me, that's really important and often gets overlooked, the fact that books aren't just you know, about the literature inside them, but they're also physical objects, they're visual objects. Um, and it's important to really celebrate the visual arts and illustrators um, as well as fine artists who have books as well. So it's always really a pleasure for us to feature excerpts of visual arts books. And recently, I've just been seeing actually this blossoming, this plethora of graphic novels that address Jewish themes in some way. In this issue, actually, in addition to tunnels, we have another excerpt of a graphic novel called Whistle um, by E. Lockhart. And we have an article about four different graphic novels that actually address the Jewish body in various ways, whether that's body dysmorphia, that's body and the illness, that's disability, sexuality, um, race. So there's so many different interesting things that artists are doing with that graphic novel form right now. Um, and also I think it's just this really interesting marriage of the two parts of books, you know, the, the visual and the textual and for me, Tunnels is just really fascinating in the sense that the content is so interesting itself and also the visuals are so interesting. This issue, they focus on exploring history and re-examining history, re-examining the accepted narratives that we've all been sort of taught about history. And I think that Tunnels does that to a certain extent. It's also really interesting to think about it in a personal history way. We recently published an interview with Ruchu where she talks about family secrets as well and how, you know, each member of a family might have a sort of different version of that family history. So that's also interesting to think about, not just in terms of a country's history, but also in terms of, you know, this is really a story about a family and, and, and their different sort of interrelationships. I want to pick up on the theme of politics and note with uh, real gratitude that you don't shy away from politics. In a selection from Oren Gazit's The First Ending, Then the Second, the author depicts an anti-democratic dystopian Israel. And I think it's bracing to see real Israeli artists and authors fully engaging in the political spectrum of, of Israel's complexity and even more so for you to bring that to English speaking readers and even more so to do it in a bilingual way where you have the English and the Hebrew facing each other on opposite pages. So I wanna to talk to you about the editorial will to go uh, wading into pretty serious Israeli politics. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think that as you pointed out, there's several different views and visions of Israel throughout Paper Brigade, especially this issue, actually. We also have the translations from Russian, um, Lenore Gorlick's two vignettes from Biblical Zoo, translated by Dahlia Wolfson, 
We have the excerpt of the graphic novel by Ruchin Lodan. We have this one, which is the winner of the Paper Brigade Award for New Israeli Fiction in honor of Jane Weitzman. So as I really love, actually, as you pointed out, how these sort of work together to give sort of views into different facets of Israeli life and history and politics um, and literature, just different facets of that as well. And one thing I do want to add just about that piece that I find so interesting is that there are really multiple layers to it that addresses disability in a really interesting way, too. And another kind of uh, familial relationship here, too, a different sort of thing than you're seeing in, in tunnels. And, you know, that's also something that comes up, again, in, in various aspects of the journal. So I think that, that politics is very important, but that also all three of these pieces, you know, it's not just about politics. It's about all of the different facets of life, whether that's the family, the country, the history, and just different issues that, that come up in people's lives. I think it's a function of really compelling art when it can weave those things together and increase our capacity to connect with it. I also have a soft spot for history, being an historian myself, and it's one of the genres that you also include in Paper Brigade. And I want to share with you one aspect of history that comes up that I really enjoyed in the fifth volume for 2022. And then I also want to ask you one of the historical pieces that most uh, attracted you or got you thinking. This edition includes a brief essay on the backstory to Bambi, which is really a parable about Jewish Austrian existence in an anti-Semitic context of the early 20th century in which Bambi is the Jew and the hunter is the predatory Austrian society. It's quite stark. Tell us a little bit about that uh, essay. Yeah, it's definitely very, very different to the wonderful Disney version, you know, that I grew up watching. Um, and I think that this story is just something that's so fascinating that intrigues so many people because you just never expect something like this. But yes, yeah, so this story was originally written by an Austrian Jewish writer named Felix Salton before World War II. And it's really meant to be, as you said, a parable of life in Austria for Jewish people or other minorities that may try to think that they've been sort of assimilated into wider society, they've been accepted. Felix Salton himself kind of struggled with this his whole life. He grew up working class and then really wanted to be accepted by the elites. And he did succeed for, for a really long time. He became a very successful, well-known, beloved author and had, you know, engagements with public life as well. Um, but then, you know, with the Nazis, he really sort of, fell out of favor. And Bambi was really meant to be sort of a parable of all of that, of the ways that Jewish people being the deer might think that they can find a way to evade these hunters. Jack Sites, the author of the piece, talks about there's one other deer in the story who is wounded and tended to by the hunters, actually. And he sort of becomes their pet, and he thinks that he's in invincible, and then he comes back to the forest, and then he's still hunted by them anyway. So it's just, it's, as you said, this very stark, not at all uplifting vision, not at all what we're, what we're used to, and Disney really changed that. And I think 
probably in a way that Felix Salton would not be very happy with. But it's very interesting to reflect, I think, again, with this idea of reflecting back on history and sort of finding the real story behind maybe the story that we like to tell ourselves or that we like to think about and really go into that more deeply. And also, I just want to add that I think that Alenka Sautler's beautiful illustrations for this really add something as well. At the Paper Brigade launch, she actually did a studio visit where she showed two different versions of the illustrations that she had sort of pondered over the time. And one of them, which I think she did not end up going with in the end, but it took it in a more allegorical way where she actually showed deer on the streets of Vienna, you know, so at the time that Salton was living there. So it was a more kind of almost like mouse-like, Art Spiegelman-like uh, version of the story. Um, but in the end, she went, ends up going with more real, realistic portrayals of it. But I think that that basically shows, I think, another whole layer to this, where that, you know, the, the fact that this is a symbolic story, but it has such relevance to Felix Fulton time and our time now, too. Pick up on one of the other historically themed pieces from this edition to share with our audience. There's so many. I guess I'll go with Laura Arnold Lehman's piece, which is really fascinating. It uses two miniatures, two portraits, to examine a family. And the two siblings in these portraits are Isaac and Sarah Brandon, siblings who were born in Barbados, and they were enslaved, they were Christian, and then they reinvented their lives to become considered white, to be wealthy, to be living in New York, and they converted to Judaism. So through the lens of these two miniatures, she shows how they ended up reinventing themselves um, and also shows how the story is not maybe as straightforward as, as we think. You know, we could see this as like just a story about passing but actually, it's much more complicated that the siblings were in various contexts quite open about their their past, their heritage, and that that had a different connotation in the world that they lived in in early America than we might expect. So really delving into this idea of how history often offers a much richer, interesting and fuller and more complex reality than we expect looking back on it. Especially now as we are re-examining our relationship with race and the fact that they literally transited both parts of the continent and their status as Black or Jewish and what those two things meant, showing that the categories themselves were, were kind of in transition. Yes, absolutely. She actually makes a point there too that that even the idea of Judaism was sort of undergoing a relabeling, if you will, from being considered sort of more religious to more racial, and how that was also sort of affecting the two siblings. The College Commons podcast is proud to be part of HUC Connect, the Hebrew Union College's online platform for continuing education. HUC Connect features four programs, webinars, live conversations with social and cultural influencers on topics of civil society, arts and culture, religion, and redefining allyship, Community Connect, 
ready-made lesson plans for synagogue and community learning, the Masterclass, live sessions of Judaica with HUC faculty exclusively for our alumni. Enroll soon because seats are limited. And of course, the College Commons podcast, in-depth conversations with Judaism's leading thinkers. For more information about HUC Connect and all it has to offer, visit huc.edu slash hucconnect. And now, back to our program. I want to move to memoir, one of the genres represented in Paper Brigade, and a particularly brief and moving feature by Chen Juli Wang titled Hunger. Tell us a little bit about that um, incredible vignette. Yeah, I absolutely was so moved by this piece and also by her memoir, which came out this summer. It's about her experience having moved from northern China to New York City when she was a young girl um, and living in poverty as an undocumented immigrant for several years. And the memoir itself doesn't focus on the Jewish aspect of her story. So as an adult, she converted to Judaism. But this piece that she wrote for us talks about how in her first Yom Kippur fast, she really had to confront these horrible memories of basically going hungry as a child and how every day she would come to school not having had any breakfast and basically be counting down the minutes until she could get her free lunch. And, you know, it's very clear the lunch itself is pretty unappetizing, you know, by the standards that we would think about it. But for her, it was just like the one thing that she could look forward to throughout the day. And then as an adult, as she was sort of starting the conversion process, really thinking to herself that she was extremely afraid to take the step of actually fasting in Yom Kippur because she was afraid of all these horrible memories that she had as a kid of going hungry. She confronted those fears and realized that in this different context where she didn't have to go hungry, she was making this choice to do it, that she felt that rather than you know, feeling excluded, feeling like she wasn't one of these, you know, so-called rich kids who could bring a delicious meal from home, but rather together with a Jewish community that she was part of, that she actually had a very positive experience and then realized that she wanted to help other children who are still struggling with daily hunger. So it's a really powerful piece that she wrote for us. And also, I think that it's really important to highlight this experience by someone who has converted. It's a very specific experience. This is just one experience of the multitude of Jewish experiences that we really try to highlight in Paper Brigade to bring to the fore these experiences that people might not necessarily expect or not necessarily associate with the Jewish experience, but are actually really part of that, that rich fabric. Tell us one piece that you've included in this volume five that will surprise our readership, our listenership, if they get around to picking up a copy? Um, One I will say is a Jewish trader. This piece is very fascinating because it's about a 19th century man named Simon Deutz. He was born Jewish. He converted to Christianity. This is in France. And he, he said actually there was a rabbi's son, but he really wanted to assimilate. 
and he became associated with the Duchess of Berry, who was in the middle of time trying to wage a civil war to get the throne back for her son. And he at first was a loyal supporter of her, but then he ended up betraying her for a huge amount of money. And he really became sort of a poster child for a lot of anti-Semitic groups after that, because, you know, he just, his actions seemed so reprehensible. It just became what many thought was a perfect example of a Jewish betrayer. And because of that, later on, a lot of historians have been really afraid to touch his stories. But what the author shows in this piece, Maurice Samuels, is that, again, it's really important to look at the true story, not just be so afraid of the past that we can't delve into it. Because when you show this, you know, of course, this was one man. He's not representative of all Jews. And by looking at his story, we're not reinforcing anti-Semitic stereotypes, but we are seeing how anti-Semitism really functions and how it works. So rather than doing something bad to look back on this story, it's actually really illuminating and it's helpful, especially in this, at this current time. I agree that that's a particularly compelling story, and I was also surprised by it. And I welcomed that frank historical viewpoint that the author brings to us to remind us why we need to know these stories. And I would add, for context, that Deutz's case was understood in terms of the anti-Semitic backlash as a precursor to the Dreyfus case, which of course led to Herzl and modern Zionism. So there's all kinds of super important context that uh, opening up these stories brings to us. Yeah, exactly. And I think that one of the things that Marie Samuels points out is that unlike Dreyfus's case, Dwight really was an unsympathetic character. So that was part of the reason why people were afraid to sort of resurrect his story because it, it, he didn't seem like an exemplary type of person. But I think, you know, that that's an important part of the nuance of the piece and his story is that he doesn't have to be an exemplary person to be worthy of attention and to actually teach us this important lesson. So I want to close out the interview with a question about Golems. What's going on with all these golems and paper brigade? That is a great question, Josh. It is so fascinating to me how many of our artists and writers are looking back to Jewish mythology and reinventing it for our present day time. So we have poems by Moriel Rossman Zecker about the golem. We have an interview with um, Melissa Broder in which she talks about her new novel, Milk Fed, that also has this sort of golem mythology wound into it. We have a short story by Yael van der Vouden that talks about a real life golem. We also have a piece of magical realism by Helene Wecker, the author of Golem and Genie and the Hidden Palace. I find it absolutely fascinating how these writers are again looking to the past and finding this very old mythology and completely reinventing it for a modern time. So instead of the golem being this kind of hulking, uh, violent defender of a ghetto, as he is in most cases, instead the golem can be a vehicle to explore something like sexuality or disability um, or politics, as you pointed out earlier. So there's just 
so many different ways in which authors are being so creative and, and really introducing and infusing our history with new meaning. Well, I want to thank you, Becca Canna, for taking the time. But most of all, I want to thank you for Paper Brigade. It really is a great read, and I encourage everyone to get a copy. It's simply a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on the College Commons podcast. Thank you again, Josh. This is really wonderful. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the College Commons podcast, available wherever you listen to your podcasts. And check out HUC Connect compelling conversations at the forefront of Jewish learning. For more information about all that HUC Connect has to offer, visit huc.edu slash hucconnect.